0: Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Menig with Business Accelerants. Each session, I try to bring you insights from small business owners, medium business owners, and business people in general, as they deal with the seven forces and the eight values of business. This session, we're going to be talking about networking, marketing, and branding. With me today is Jerry Fletcher of Z-Axis Marketing. He has several fun titles that I've learned over the years, such as Brand Poobah, uh, CRM Magician, and Networking Ninja. So welcome, Jerry. Thank you. So a lot of people like to talk about the past in marketing and then you know, get into the thing. And I, I like to kind of put the past in the past. And, and let's focus on today and how things are going to be in the future. Okay. And let me give you a hypothetical kind of company that we might be dealing with. We're talking about a client that owns a B2B company, mm-hmm. and they're producing widgets for some sort of transportation business. Okay. The owner's in his mid to late 50s, and of course, like many people, wants to retire in less than 10 years. His business has been steady at best, regional in focus, probably $2 million in revenue, five to 10, maybe 15 employees, I'm thinking of maybe someone that makes parts for boat trailers, for instance, uh, people who make small trailers, uh, you know here in town, small companies that do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: anything else you might want to know about this fictitious client?
1: <laughs> oh my. This reminds me of a time a few years ago when a management consultant I was dealing with asked me, you know, to help him build some sort of assessment in terms of marketing for his potential clients. And so I said, okay, and I put together 20 questions. Because at my age, you you, or, you may remember, I know I remember, uh, that uh, there was a wonderful show on, on the radio and then on TV. It was 20 questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I tried to do was instill in those 20 questions the things that we really needed to know in order to come to some kind of conclusion for someone. And it went everywhere from how long have you been in business to what's the last thing you looked at in terms of marketing research. And in between was all the stuff that I really needed to know. I come out of an advertising agency background, but when I was in the advertising business, I learned that we had to understand the business completely before we could do anything in terms of advertising because we'd be dead wrong if we just leapt in. So very much unlike the young men and women who sell the whiz-bang services of the online marketing world, I want to know more. And and the specific areas I want to know about are brand. When somebody says, what do you do, I want to know what your answer is. Uh, I want to know about your competition. I want to know about your sales and where that's going and how that's working. I want to know about your distribution. I want to know about how you get a product to the end consumer. And by the way, who is it that is really buying this stuff? And how are they buying it from you? So I want answers to all those kinds of questions before I really jump in. But it's a hypothetical, so here it goes. <laughs> um, let's say that uh, this person, this, this organization, is building, as you say, widgets for, say, boat trailers. That's a, it's a nice way to go. And, and I, I don't know anything about that market, so I went online, looked at it, and went, oh, my God, there's all these things that go on a boat trailer. Uh, so somebody making those has to be pretty uh, solid in terms of the different kinds of capabilities they have in their shop. Uh, so they may have all kinds of things, but getting them to market's the kicker. Um, if they sell B2B, as you said, then they might be going direct to their customers. But in all likelihood, they're also probably going through some sort of trade shows or some trade association where they get to know these folks. Um, in all likelihood, they need to have that connection as well. Should they be online? Well, the way folks work these days, they're going to look you up. If you say, hey, I want to sell you something, they're going to look you up. Uh, so you've got to be online, and you have to have a solid piece of information there. The critical element is that the brand representation in both places has to be the same. But let's let's give them another possibility. Let's say that they're going to sell DIY parts to folks that work on their own trailers and so on. Mm -hmm. Great idea. They can probably get some higher margins that way, but how do you get to those people? In that case, I would say you might want to take a product one, that has a really good margin on it right now, and try selling it on Facebook, and see if you can generate enough sales to make that one do well. But given what I saw in terms of all the different kinds of products that you can put on a trailer, and I don't know what these folks make, uh, they're gonna have to work pretty hard to figure it out in terms of which one of those products it would be. Because if they make the small roller kinds of things, that's one thing. If they make the winches, that's another. Reminds me of a story. Okay, probably sounds heard, good. <laughs> you've, probably, you've probably heard of a company called Warren Winch. Yeah, right here in town in Portland.
0: Well, um, actually... Warren
1: Industries. Yeah, they used to be in up, up the road closer to Seattle. Uh, but the way they do business is they sell everything through truck dealers. Now, everybody thinks of being on a Jeep, but they they sell through truck dealers. And so... Their big business is making sure the truck dealers have the parts that they can install and make a bundle on installing those parts. Same way it could work for these kinds of folks. Again, it depends on how you go to market. So it's critical to understand what that distribution system is. Okay. Yeah,
0: I, I totally agree with that, Ian, uh, uh, trying to understand that. Uh, it's interesting, though, that you said Facebook for selling. I think of Facebook as providing information and the cute cat videos and things like that. Apparently, there's more to Facebook because I I choose not to use it. Um, And you can actually sell on Facebook. I didn't realize this. Advertise, I understood. Sell, I didn't understand.
1: Here's the thing. When I say sell on Facebook, what I'm saying is advertise on Facebook. Okay? They have possibly the best ability to allow you to select for your audience of anything online today yes including google okay so it allows you to pick the right people now can you sell literally at that point you can put ads up there which will sell if they're getting good get them to click on that and go somewhere else amazon if it might be it might it might take you to amazon it might take you to the website it might take you to a landing page it might take you to all kinds of places the best way that I've seen on Facebook is when it takes you to a landing page, yeah, and begins that relationship.
0: Okay, so B two B is very different than retail and mm-hmm. B two C kind of things. Um, yet you just said, you know, social media. You can the guy who's your do it yourselfer, he's going to be online. Some purchaser at a larger company. Uh, You know, Tracker Boats maybe for Bass Probe might be online, uh, doing something else, and he's going to be selected to to get that ad from Facebook. But um, I'm still seeing people using postcards in the mail to me, uh, sending letters in the mail. Um, What avenues would you consider besides Facebook and a
1: web page for this individual? Don't give away the secret. (laughs) Okay. The secret is that most of what you are told is the best possible thing to do in terms of being online isn't. Usually, I say usually, if I'm given the choice between running ads online and sending a postcard, just a plain postcard, I'm just single color postcard. Mm-hmm. No colors, no no pictures, none, just postcard. Given the choice between those two things, I'll take the postcard because the best results you get online these days, even with experts involved, and believe me, I have a couple of experts we can do this with, but the best results you're going to get are somewhere around between 1% and 2%. Mm -hmm. I agree. But with a postcard, I can get anywhere from 1% to 5%. Really? And that's in terms of people responding okay does that mean i'm going to sell every one of them no because in both situations i'm going to get only a few people that respond to buy mhm okay now if i take the percentages and i can get between 1 and 5% of the mailing to respond and i can get one out of five of those to buy i'm in good shape now all i have to do is say to you okay but we only get two uh of the folks around online, yeah. uh, I have to get one of those to get the same results as I got elsewhere. The better ROI generally is coming from the old, what what people would call traditional approach. Direct marketing still works. Uh, it's crazily enough, catalogs still work. Oh, our house gets more catalogs.
0: <laughs> Thanks. Not from me. A few of them are from me. You know, like maybe Cabela's and Bass Pro and, and, and things. But well, my so wife gets about five
1: a day. <laughs> the interesting thing is that that puts you in a certain demographic. Yeah, one that has money. <laughs> well no, one that has money, but also one that is of an age, we'll say. Ah, of course. Because the demographics are significant. Okay? Um, there's some really crazy kinds of things that go on in terms of who's online, who's not. Okay. Over 60% of the population, okay, particularly in the millennials, are online. All the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's really crazy is that about 85% of them will watch videos. 85. If they're on, they're gonna watch videos. Wow. Okay. But then even more importantly, of those, what would you guess the amount of men versus women are watching videos?
0: Uh, I would have expected it to be about even, but I know you're going to tell me a little bit
1: heavier on the men. Yeah, about 40% heavier on the men, (laughs) which I'm the same way. I would say, well, yeah, it's probably the women. Well, I think that's sort of a male chauvinist thing going on there. But the truth is, that's what's going on. So if you want to reach men, and you want to do it in a way that's comfortable for them, particularly millennial men, then video is a great way to do it. And the better the video in terms of information that they're, they're getting from it, the better off you're going to be perceived.
0: That's an interesting thing. So, uh, I, I do deal a lot with autonomous vehicles and, and things like that. Sure. And I've been watching a lot of the different announcements. CES is this week, and sure. we've already had some big announcements going on there, um, some drone activities and other things. And yet, 99% of the auto ads on TV are all about the thrill of driving, male or female, both, or the happiness with receiving a new car that they got. It's got nothing to do with, rarely with safety and autonomous operation or a picture of somebody disabled being picked up by a robo uh, car kind of thing that, you know, where those are people are saying are the future of automation. So it, that emotional connection is, is something that maybe you want to
1: talk about. Well, if I have a choice between trying to sell you something via uh, logic or emotion, uh, I'm going to opt for emotion. Because the way the human animal is built is that we respond to things emotionally well before we even begin to think about responding to them logically. We use logic to rationalize the decisions that we've made emotionally. And, and it's just because of the way we're built. It's, it's one of those things that's so powerful that most people are uncomfortable with that idea, but it's true.
0: Yeah, I looked up in your website, and you have this uh, term, which I, I love creating acronyms and, and terms. And mm-hmm. you know, they help with branding, of course. Of course. And so you came up with the term "Auto Magic," uh, that you used uh, on there for the little guy in particular. Who's the little guy, and what's Auto Magic?
1: Well, let's start with the little guy. Um in the world today there are, you know, Fortune, you know, 500 companies and 1000 companies and so on. And then there's this huge range that falls below that that is sort of the mid-level sort of companies. And they could have sales up to, you know, several hundred million dollars, okay? And then there's the little guy. Uh it's the one that doesn't have more than million in sales maximum, right? All the way down to a couple hundred thousand. What's happened because of the internet and because of the development of, I'm going to call it software capabilities, is that the things that some of the really big companies can do in terms of automating their activities and talking to prospects and clients can be done now by the little guy for just about nothing. I mean, well, as a matter of fact, um, if you want to send emails out to your list of up to two thousand people, okay, and do it in really nice-looking stuff that's got great pictures and so on, it's well, well-designed. There's a thing called Mailchimp that will let you do that, mm-hmm. and the cost per month is yeah. zero. Okay, now. It's not as sophisticated as some of the other tools that I've been known to use. Uh, there's a wonderful thing out there called Active Campaign, which again, it's not that much. It's like, eh, I'm going to say 50 bucks a month. I think I'm a little high, but it's about what it is. But it allows me to do if then chains. So that, let's say that we sent out a Facebook thing that said, you should be buying this particular product from our little company that makes them. And that's sends you to a landing page well that landing page explains the product in full and says if you want to buy click here right you click there and it automatically takes you through and lets you buy that product gets all of your data from your your credit card and everything else your address to send it to all that good stuff now you've never touched it you haven't watched doing it just doing it by itself right now once you finish that transaction because of automatic marketing you get a thank you Okay, And then on top of that, oh, here's a copy of your invoice so that you know know, what you did and when you did it and so on, and you get that automatically. And then the drip starts. And by the drip, I mean the old-fashioned idea in direct marketing was drip campaigns. Older folks tend to understand what those words mean. And that means you just sort of send something every once in a while. Well, you can actually set that up in such a way that in a week from after you make your purchase, you get another thing that says, thank you. By the way, if you did this, you know, you might want to look at these other two mm-hmm. products. Now, Amazon does this to you immediately, but <laughs> you, you guys, a little guy, could do it like a week later. Um, you may or may not get a response to that. Or you may say, look, uh, we, we sold you this product, and and let's say you sold them a small winch. Here's something that you might want to do in terms of oiling that Whatever something needed uh, item to do it, uh, and here's what you need to do it. Uh, and if you're interested, just let us know. But uh, by the way, here's a nice piece of information on how to maintain that. Just so that that's actually speaking partially
0: again to your branding and keeping your name out there. And I know I originally learned that most salespeople fail because it takes five or more contacts with a customer to make a sale, and most give up after three. And I've seen an awful lot of stuff that tells me now that it's thirteen to twenty touches, each one of these little
1: things you're talking about being a touch. Yeah, working with little guys, what I find is is it depends on the the okay, the, the price of the product, and the need, desire, whatever on the part of the, of the of the seller. Okay, the average for the little guy is between nine and twelve times. Okay, okay, for that touch, but again you can decide what those decisions points are and if someone you know says they want to do this thing then you can send them down the path this way they do something else you can send them down another path automatically
0: hmm. that's okay. great yeah um we talked about video and using video uh, mm-hmm. already um i recently rebranded my company from tech i m which was just my company my my college backwards mit uh, not exactly very innovative or uh, well thought out. I was going to work on technology, so it made sense. So now I've rebranded myself, new website, things like that. Now you did the same thing, and, and you, you've been at this for quite some time. Oh. And, you know, you look, you know, General Electric is about to fail. Uh, you know, they haven't done much with their logo in ages, but there are many other companies who update their logo every 10, 15 years at least. Uh, kind of thing so tell me about your rebranding
1: I'll tell you about the rebranding let let me one minor note are you aware that Master Charge is eliminating the words Master Charge from their logo they are now going to go just with the orange and gold circles overlapped because
0: we've become associated visually with that's all we need to know to to know that who that is yeah they similarly Visa with the blue
1: yeah, Visa with the blue, and, and well, or Nike with the, you know, it's just yeah. everybody, you know, can you get to a certain point and it's okay. I still don't totally agree with that, but I think it's a pretty well-known symbol. But the interesting thing is, because of a, 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 my presence online in a in an international uh, social media situation, one of the things that we were talking about at one point was these double overlap symbols and talking about how you know. Two things are side by side and they're different. How do they fit together? And I pointed out that it looked like the Master Charge logo and the fact that they were eliminating the words. You would not believe the results coming back from around the world saying, I didn't know they were doing that. I don't know whether I associate it that way or not. Interesting. Anyway, to go back to the story you were asking for. Um, when I first went into business, I decided I was going to call my operation Z-axis marketing, which you used in introducing me. And the reason I did that was because at the time I'd been doing a whole lot of work in 3D and, and uh, you know, it was like, you know, there are three axes, the X, the Y, and the Z. And, uh-huh. and the, the Z-axis was, you know, you know normally it's money and time, right? Well, Z was the other piece of it and I wasn't quite sure how that worked, but over time I figured out that, that Z-axis is trust. That's really what the differential hmm. is. So I started, you know, went to work and... And I couldn't get people to remember the name, they couldn't spell the name, they couldn't find the URL. Now, other than it was terrific. <laughs> okay, so immediately I started looking for another way to describe myself. The first thing I did was I put my own name above it, so I became Jerry Fletcher's Z-axis marketing. But then when I started speaking, I thought, well, I got to find a way for people to know me, which is what led to Networking Ninja, and that worked, and. People identified me that way. And in fact, I think I ran into you once uh, at, a, at a on the chicken circuit, uh, and uh, you actually asked me if I was the networking ninja. And I went, yes, I am, truly. In any case, so that brought me to about, oh, I'm going to say two years ago. And I've been speaking, of course, since 1993 professionally, uh, internationally on three continents at this point. And if anyone's got somebody that wants me to come to Australia, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. But anyway, um, as a matter of fact, we have common friends that may have me do that. Yes. Um, in any case, uh, so a couple of years ago, I started noticing in the Q&A parts of, of presentations that I was doing, I was getting an awful lot of questions about brand. And I was getting a whole lot of questions from the folks that I work with, my clients, about brand. And it... Didn't think much about it, except I started shifting things to make sure I talked more about it and, and tried to answer questions before they were asked. And then a friend of mine, a fellow by the name of Bill Connerly, uh, he's an economist, he's a, know. another speaker, and he and I were having coffee one day, and he, he said, let me show you something that I found. And I said, what's that? And he showed me uh, the results that he was getting by comparing a couple of things on Google Trends. I went, oh, so tell me more about that, Bill. How's it work?" He told me. I went, fine. I immediately went back to my office and I started looking at a couple of phrases. Well, networking unfortunately has multiple meetings. So you have to call it social networking. Okay. Uh-huh. Brand doesn't have a whole lot of meetings, but the interesting thing is there's two ways people talk about it. One is brand. The other is branding. Okay. Interestingly enough, brand, the noun, compared to social networking? Well, let me put it this way. The curves are pretty straightforward for the last couple of years. Networking is going down. Yeah, so this is this similar
0: um, when I look up a word, yeah. uh, to sometimes just to check its spelling, Google comes up with a chart that shows me when that word first started getting used, how it's trending, right? And I'm guessing that's partially what you're talking
1: about? Google Trends. It, it, the ability in Google Trends to look at data has gotten better and better and better over the last, I don't know, couple of years. But at least over the last couple of months, what I've noticed is they keep adding the ability, so that all of a sudden, before you can only look up one, now you can compare two, and the last time I looked, you can compare four. And this is a
0: free service still. Free from Google. service.
1: Free service. Just go on and look them up, and you can see what the trends are. Okay. You have to be careful about how you look at them because the everything is related to whichever one is doing best. So if something is hitting 100%, everything else is well below it. So you have to find something that 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 allows you to see what the differential is between the two. And what I discovered was pretty simple. Uh, brand is much more of interest to people these days than networking. And in part that's because they believe that they can do more with brand because they're online, they're not in person bad idea Mm. but there it is (laughs) okay okay so i decided i was going to change my overall position and 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 brand to brand pooba and so it's now jerry fletcher brand pooba i have to tell you about one one test of this because i don't do anything without testing it right so here i am at a national conference of management consultants they made the mistake of handing me an open mic <laughs> and and asked me to introduce myself. I said, I'm Jerry Fletcher, the brand Pooh. And I stopped, right? Well, you know how in most conferences, there's a little titter going through the room all Dead silence. I had every ear in the room, hmm. right? And then the fellow who was leading the discussion said, what do you do? And so I responded, you know how people keep telling you that you need to have a brand? But nobody tells you how to do it. You know, and he's going, Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I do is I help independent professionals craft a unique, trust based brand that builds their business, a career, and a life of joy. And I went on to explain that I'd, you know, done this for a number of folks and gotten good results. Like one consultant that I worked with had got uh, uh tripled his revenues in a year after we started and and uh a couple other examples like that and uh i noted that i'd so far at that point i'd been able to do this for 130 i believe it was 133 uh different independent professionals when that meeting section ended there were six people lined up to talk to me mm. i now tell people I've done this successfully for 137 independent <laughs> professionals, uh, and I keep doing it. It's 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 a matter of knowing how to do that very simple job, and taking it throughout everything you do. So you're friends with the with the, the small business, the right brand across everything they do can build all kinds of business, but it's got to be the same. Mm-hmm. You got, I mean, it's, it's like somebody once said to me, what do you, you know, how can you explain that? And I said, it's very simple. You tell the story the same way every time. Which also works for culture and people
0: as well. One of the things I really like about what you did with that short little statement was, one, you had an attention getter which is the same thing you should be doing on the internet, you know, in the email, the title of the email, where get their attention Home first. Homepage, boom. Then once you had their attention, you got them to ask a question, but you didn't answer the question. You asked a question in response to get them pulled in to the conversation. You got them shaking their head yes. When you said, do you know how, and then nobody tells you how, and then, in that last part of the statement, you brought in we were talking earlier, logic versus emotion. That last one was joy. You know that clearly, that is not a logical
1: thing, right? <laughs> it's purely emotional. The, the whole thing I was doing there is, uh, years ago, I, I developed this. I, I called it 30-second marketing at the time. Still do. Um, and it's the difference between the elevator speech and a conversation. People want to have a conversation. They don't want to hear a commercial. They want to talk with you. They want you to talk with them, not at them. So Mm -hmm. it's a conversation, not a commercial. And if you can move from one to the other, you're home free. The other piece that's really important is to understand that what you do, I don't care who you are, what kind of independent professional you are, to understand what you do isn't as important to that person as what they're going to get out of it. Right. They need to be the hero of their own journey. You need to be the guide, and as long as they have that idea in mind, they'll stick with you.
0: Manufacturing, transportation, and technology are kind of three industries that I came mm. out of and, and understand and, sure. and work with. They're more logical than emotional. I must admit, uh, to a, to a large extent, but uh, in. As it relates to your area of expertise, a company between one and 10 million dollars in revenues, mm-hmm. you know what issues or challenges do you see for manufacturing, technology and transportation companies?
1: Multiple problems, but but the, the, the key one is understanding that you need to market in a way that is comfortable for the customer, not for you. And that may be difficult for a lot of people. I was lecturing once uh, at a university in California, which we won't name, but you know, if you like that kind of football, the Cardinals are a lot of fun. Um, anyway, uh, just before I was going to go on, the professor said to me, um, would you mind defining marketing for the students before you start? It's like, you know, it's the old, you know see if we put one in his ear. Okay? I said, certainly, no problem. So I was at a podium, and I took my notes. I tore them in half, and I dropped them in the can next to the podium. I walked around. I shut off the projector. Leaned back against the podium. I said, okay, you can start taking notes now. One, marketing is go where the money is. Two, sell what they want to buy. Three, do it again. And I lectured for an hour and a half on those three items. And it's the same thing that you do when you look into the future. Where's the money? If you have a product or service, I don't care which one of those it's in, where's the money? Who's going to buy it? How often are they going to buy it? Are they going to need upgrades? Are they going to stay with you? Is it a subscription? What kind of product is it? How's it work? Okay, where's the money? Define that in terms of how it works, who the people are that are going to use it, and it's people that use it. It's not companies, it's people. Once you know that, you can find a way to get to them, okay? Now, the next question, which is, or not question, situation, is sell what they want to buy. Most companies make one mistake in terms of marketing. They have the idea that what they have is the greatest thing since sliced bread and that everybody in the world is going to want it. Wrong. Who wants it? If you have something and it's a good idea, there'll be some people that want it. But are there enough? to keep you in business. I, I sense um, a challenge for that
0: one to ten million dollar company because, uh, and 55-year-old person that I was talking about and stuff because they're no longer innovating. They're no longer asking that question, where's the money tomorrow? Where are, What do people want to buy tomorrow? And they think they're going to continue buying what they've been making. And they've got all that capital-intensive uh, manufacturing in place.
1: I once worked with a printer who thought that he had a problem in his sales department. Because there was one salesman that he, he didn't see the, out on the street all the time. He was at his desk a lot. He was on the phone a lot. So he said to me, he said, I, I'm not sure about this guy, but, you know, what do you think? I said, first, let's just take a look at sales overall. I want to look at the whole company okay, fine. And I did. And I did an analysis of the sales. And what I found was the guy that wasn't out on the street, who was at his desk, who was making phone calls, who very seldom went out, but when he did, had a fairly large expense account item, had over 65% of the sales for the company. So what we think and what's real are two different things. So you need to get real first. If they have products that are selling very, very well, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. Okay? If they have products that aren't selling very well, there's a reason. <laughs> so first look at what you got. And then go talk to people. I mean, and, and, and as crazy as it sounds, let's say you've got a product that's not selling well. And you go talk to the people who last bought it and say, why did you buy that? And they'll give you their reasons why. Their reason for buying the product may be not the reason that you decided to build it. This happens so frequently that there's a major corporation in this town that I know lost somewhere in the neighborhood of $100 million because they didn't think they were making products for the company or the people that wanted to buy them. Yeah.
0: Well, that's also, we talked about rebranding, repositioning. That's why there's no longer an auto company. It's now a transportation uh, company that they're doing and uh, right. things like that. And cell phones are not telephone companies anymore. They are connectivity uh, companies and things. The not... last question I wanted to ask is probably going to be too big an answer. Okay. Uh, but I struggle, especially today, with sales or marketing. When I've got something like an Amazon web page and I put something up there, am I marketing? I think of sales as you know actually buying, not sales, but... I'm not sure I need a "quote unquote" salesman so much anymore as I need marketing. How do you? Uh, just a couple words. How do you see the differences? And we'll we'll have a lecture at uh, a California University Whatever. with the Cardinals in the future.
1: Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> in simple terms, sales is one to one. Marketing is one to many. Okay. How is that different? Well, one-to-one, either you're going to get a sale or you're not. Okay. If you deal with a situation one-on-one, then it's sales. I don't care whether it's on Amazon or something else. Okay. But getting someone to Amazon to look at your product versus somebody else's is marketing. Once they're there and they're looking at the product... So getting them to click on the buy and getting
0: them to go to their cart and not abandon the card is still sales right
1: okay interesting marketing is getting them to Amazon okay. sales is everything else and, and, and the other piece of it is in the world today the way things are going it's not a matter of sales or marketing customer service is becoming extremely more important and in fact you can call it marketing or sales either one because it happens generally after the sale and what it does is it maintains your presence, your brand with those folks, but it also maintains the sale and gets yeah. potentially more sales. So, is it sales marketing or both? My view is all of it's brand. I, I like that. I like that. So, Jerry,
0: um, people will, I'm sure, if you know, once we market this correctly and mm-hmm. get it out there, they're going to want to buy. So that you can make a sale in some fashion so how can people contact you to learn more consider engaging you to help them with their sales and marketing or uh, speak to them
1: easiest way is just google jerry fletcher okay i have nothing to do with that movie that mel gibson was in okay but there's a whole (laughs) lot of other things that will come up there'll be linkedin there'll be multiple websites all you got to do is go to one of the websites and and email me from that. Uh, you'll find my phone number in a lot of places, including LinkedIn. Uh, just call. All right. that's simple.
0: Okay. Thanks, Jerry. It's been a pleasure having you. Hope all of you enjoyed this and uh, please contact Jerry if you'd like to uh, find out more and do a better job with your branding, your sales, your marketing. He is the brand Poobot. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. <laughs>